cage, Kanobu, Kang, Raiden, Scorpion, Sonya, Blade, Sub-Zero, Goro, Shang, Zora, Tabaraka, J-Jack, Kintaro, Kid, Tayaka, Lao, Merlini, Nanute, Bites, Thou, Shao, Kanto, Chameleon, Cyrax, Earth, Makabo, Motaro, Nightwolf, Insector, Sheep, The Sindel, Striker, Fu, Jin, Quan, Shi, Shin, Oxo, Rina, Jerick, Kaimi, Reiko, Tanya, Tremor, Blizzko, Raicho, Drami, Fosu's out, Tan, Kenji, Havoc, Hotaru, Kira, Cobra, Onaga, Shijin, Kodigante, Vondavora, Cassie, Cage, Aaron, Black, Ferrator, Jackie, Briggs, Kotokan, Gungeon, Takeda, Tractor, Centrion, Scarlet, Garaz, Collector, Chronica, Welcome to Mortal Podcast, I'm your host Ben Meckler, and this is the show where I overwrite my friend's most precious childhood memories with everything there is to know about an in- single the life of a single Mortal Kombat character. Sorry, my brain's leaking out of my ears. Uh, new dad brain, still going strong. I got Swiss cheese up here in my skull. Um, today on Mortal Podcast, we have a very special guest, a longtime Twitter friend of mine who I'm very excited to meet via Zoom as we record this podcast, writer Emily Godet. Hello, Emily. Hey, what's up? You know, just doing just doing a podcast. How about you? Same. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, such is the way of the world. Aren't most of us, in a sense, doing a podcast? Yeah, yeah. Um, ever since I was born, for sure. <laughs> What is life but one really long podcast that God is listening to? Oh God! All you know? at once, all if of our you, like, episodes. Really on top think of each about other. it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like God is listening to a whole bunch of podcasts called the Human Experience. Uh, uh, yikes! <laughs> Emily, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, I'm going to ask you right up top. What is your history with Mortal Kombat? How much did you know about Mortal Kombat, like, before I even asked you to do the show? Um, I'm practicing radical honesty right now, so I did not know... I did not know anything. No, that's not true. I knew that at some point in the Mortal Kombat franchise, somebody gets their, like, spinal cord Mm -hmm. ripped out of their mouth. Yes. That was the extent, and then I did cheat a little bit and ask a friend for some facts but that's um, it well first first i want to say canonically speaking there Mm -hmm. are several spine rips but a spine rip in general could happen anytime you play mortal Kombat. it's kind of just a matter of pressing the right buttons to get a spine out of out of someone's body turn them into a turn them into just a bag of wet organs um but uh, I am curious, like, what, what Mortal Kombat facts were shared with you when you asked a friend to tell you? I'm curious, like, what the most important facts that came to mind for this person were. Yeah, um, God, I hope this is a fact. It occurs to me now that he could have just made it up. Uh, he it's said be that... be entertaining um, either way, I guess. <laughs> I guess, yeah, hopefully. Um, the franchise was, like, developed with... Jean-Claude Van Damme in mind or like one iteration of it like a movie so he said there's a move called the split leg dick punch and that that is inspired by Jean-Claude Van Damme like you know doing that thing on the two trucks 
that's that's what I got. That's that is more or less true. The gist mm-hmm. is that the developers at Midway Studios in Chicago in the early '90s um, were going to try to do a, I believe, Universal Soldier fighting game with Jean Claude, and it kind of fell apart. And they'd wanted to do like a ninja game, and so they wound up developing Mortal Kombat. Um, and as a reference to JCVD, there's actually a character in Mortal Kombat. This will be a more startling fact for you later once you know more about the world. But there's a character in Mortal Kombat who's just a movie star named Johnny Cage. He's a martial arts movie star. In in the canon, people don't believe that he does his own stunts. So he enters a uh, fighting tournament where people fight to the death to prove the haters wrong. Um, That's the only way to prove that. Yeah. You know, later on you find out he's got Mediterranean war cult magic. But that's a whole other thing. Um but he does indeed have a move. I don't remember if it's the split dick dick punch, but it uh, he does essentially do a split and punch you in the dick. So, um, or ovaries. So, yeah, that's all technically that's all technically true. Yeah, cool. Well, good job, great, Emily's friend. I don't know if that was most yeah. essential information to share with her, but <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely information. I mean- <laughs> Just so you know, that's where I'm coming from. Like, I have to assume that all the world building is around Jean-Claude Van Damme from that factoid. It's not not. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I guess I would ask them, like, I mean, you know Mortal Kombat's a video game. Mm-hmm. You, you know it's a fighting game. Do you play video games at all? I do, yeah. Not not a ton of fighting games, but I really like um, RPGs and um, like open world stuff. Yeah, I get that. I've been playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and let me tell you right now, that world is too open. I don't know what to do. It stresses me out, and that makes it not fun. No, oh, that's too it's close okay. to life. It sounds like. Yeah. It's like close the world up. The real world's too open as is. I don't need a really open video game world. Give me like a Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. I'll take like a slice of New York and that's enough for me to handle. Give me like 10 things I can do at a time. Maybe even five. That's okay. I'm good to go. But I was always the kind yeah. of kid who would, if I had GTA, I would just kind of rampage for a while and do nothing instead of choosing to do any of the like 15 things that I was being asked to do. But that's besides the point. Mortal Kombat. So you get you get what a fighting game is. Um, mm-hmm. My point being that the thing that's always appealed to me about Mortal Kombat is the lore is very rich to the extent that in the most recent iterations of Mortal Kombat, the last like three games, the developers knew that it was the story and the characters that were really drawing people in, and so you can play full-on story modes with like many hours of cutscenes intercut with the fights. Because it's all about the story, baby. That's Mortal Kombat and spine ripping as well. Um, and I love wow. it. And that's what drove me to do this podcast. Um, so, it's good to know you're kind of starting from zero. Great excuse to fill you in on the general lore of Mortal Kombat. But before we do, mm. every episode of Mortal Podcast comes with a prompt. And that prompt uh, is kind of based on all of the characters that are introduced this season. So this season's based on the fifth Mortal Kombat game. It's called Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance. All of the characters covered this season are a part of some kind of deadly alliance in their lives. Um, And so, Emily, I ask you, has there been a time in your life that you have been a part of a deadly alliance? Uh, 
Oh, God. Um, <clears throat> you don't have to implicate yourself in any, like, crimes necessarily. There's plenty of ways to interpret Deadly Alliance. Um, For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would say, yeah, I, um... I'm one of many cousins and, uh, this group of cousins, each of us tends to be like really, really good at our field. So, um, I have this like weird superpower when I'm in, when I'm at home in Brooklyn, you know, people often bring up someone without knowing that they're my cousin. Wait, you have like that many cousins in Yeah, yeah. in the like Brooklyn sphere? Are they are they around Brooklyn generally? The cousins? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, one's a comedian and one's a writer mm-hmm. and yeah, one's like a kind of a, a a lovable but but odd Jewish performance artist. So <laughs> Wow. What are the odds yeah. that I know some of these cousins? This is I feel like the implication is like I might I might if they're all that successful, Emily. <laughs> well, they're very competent in their fields. We are Understood. still young people. But, um, okay. like, for example, um, there's a, a writer at Jezebel named Hazel Sills, who is my cousin. And wow. that that factoid does very well at, at uh, certain parties. Yeah, that makes sense. So, Big Jezebel yeah. fan, I get it. Mm-hmm. People love Jez. They do. Wow. I was hoping for like a heavy hitter, like, oh, my cousin Adam Sandler just did a new movie, <laughs> but that's okay. Jezebel's yeah, no, good. I would have led with the Sandman if he was my cousin. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Probably same in any mm-hmm. conversation. I'd probably roll hard with my cousin is the Sandman. Um, mm-hmm. I have actually, I do have a famous cousin, but in Israel, so I don't get any of the benefits of having a celebrity relative. In Israel, he is the he's the Michael Jordan of Israel. He's like one of the most famous athletes in like Israeli history. Oh, um, Mickey Berkovitz. Mm-hmm. But uh, here, you know, every once in a while, I'll meet like an Israeli contractor, and I'll get to be like my cousin's Mickey Berkovitz. He's like, no way, that's crazy. But otherwise, I don't really I don't really get to benefit from that uh, relationship, <laughs> other than having obviously the love of and affection of a caring family member. Whoa, that's I'm imagining you, but in a like a blue and white basketball uniform. That's what Can I saw. Can you see it? Yeah. Do mm-hmm. I? Do I? I mean, you're seeing me in a little zoom box, but I appreciate that you could see me as a as a basketball man. Mickey does not look much like me. He oh, looks much well, tougher. Yeah. I wouldn't. Know. I got all the nebbish yeah. jeans. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, that's cool. Have you? Have your? Has the cousin unit? ever gotten into like organized hijinks like together as a deadly alliance other than being independently like effective in your in your fields and able to sort of like voltron your way into impressing people at parties by name dropping one another has there been Mm -hmm. like a cousin operation that is uh yeah for sure we uh so it's my mom's side and um my grandfather's from quebec so mm-hmm. every summer we would uh, spend some time up in rural Quebec. Um, <clears throat> and we, like multi-generations of my family, have sort of like a an iffy reputation for making trouble when we're up there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> it's like a... Um, 
it's kind of like the wild west up there like you know it, you got to drive you can drive for an hour in one direction and it looks exactly the same so wow. um yeah we uh we've, not like broken into, into yeah. yeah we've broken into people's barns and you know tracked down weed in the area what do you do when you break into a barn i guess just like hang out in the barn are we talking um, like yeah. populated barns? Like you go in the barn and there's just like animals hanging out or like abandoned ramshackle? Yeah. Well, um, the impetus behind breaking into a barn would be to like determine what what's in there to see. So yeah, we have mm. come across um, livestock a couple times and that's always cool. Uh, what's like uh, the number one coolest animal you found in a barn you broke into? Um coolest let's do top three counting down starting at <laughs> number three <laughs> number three coolest animal emily found in a, a derelict barn <laughs> in quebec with my cousins um in quebec I'm, with I'm your leading, cousins i'm leading real country today um uh chickens because they're like a matriarchy sure i get it i get it all right coming three. in at number two yeah. Uh, I actually can't remember if it was an alpaca or a llama, whatever the one with the cuter face was. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say cuter face, probably an alpaca. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of those in South Florida where I'm from. A lot of privately owned alpacas, no joke, for some reason, just hanging out in backyards. Mm. Um, all right, and coming in at number one. Number one is a wild card. It was a fox, and it was not supposed to be in there. So we Whoa. alerted the guy to a fox being in there. So public service, what? really. Wait. <laughs> Wait, what did that, how did that interaction go where you're like, hey, listen, we just broke into your barn to determine what livestock was in there. And unfortunately, in the process, first off, sorry, but in the process of doing so, we discovered... A clandestine fox that needs to be dealt with immediately. Yes, yeah, and he was like, wow. you know, gathered what family we were, and he was like, typical you guys. <laughs> wow, we're like lo- um, lovable scamps above the border. I love that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, phenomenal answer. I look forward to hearing further <laughs> adventures of the Godhead adjacent cousin gang that roams rural ontario <laughs> quebec sorry hopefully quebec. you have listeners up there <laughs> yeah um i think actually i do so <laughs> yeah we'll see we'll follow up maybe maybe they know of you maybe maybe you're infamous for some of our listeners i wouldn't be shocked <laughs> well i don't have any good segue so let's talk about the history of mortal Kombat. <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, to understand sort of like the base mythology, the base lore of Mortal Kombat, um, let's just briefly rewind to the uh, dawn of time. <laughs> when uh, there was nothingness other than the one being, you know, a godlike figure, the one being. Um, and the one being was just kind of vibing in in space and was like, I want to make some stuff. So the one being created, the Elder Gods. And the Elder Gods mm. um, are like a pantheon of gods, like a Roman pantheon, Greek pantheon, you know, the t- prototypical god pantheon. So the Elder Gods are hanging out and they're like, 
what do we do? We want to make stuff, but the one being is the only one who's allowed to make stuff. And the one being is like, the, the, I don't exactly understand why and how the mechanics of this work, but the one being made the Elder Gods and then started sapping their power to like enrich himself, uh, themselves. Well. I don't know. It's a whole thing. Anyway, the Elder Gods are sick of it. They were like, why do we have a boss when we're gods? We can make stuff ourselves. And why are we letting that guy sap all our god energy? So they made these things called the Kamidogu Daggers, and they uh, hacked the one being up into like a billion pieces, just, just hacked and slashed, chopped that dude up into bits. Okay. Then they took those little one being bits, and they turned them into the realms. Um, basically different dimensions that they would lord over. And so um, each piece of the one being was, for example, like Earth Realm is, is one of these realms. And that is literally the entire universe as we perceive it. Hmm. But additionally, there's thousands and thousands and thousands more. There's a vampire realm where it's like every planet's got vampires on it. There's oh. a dinosaur people realm. There's a, uh, you know, hot wizard uh, kind of like Eden, Greek god kind of realm. There's any realm you can... Any There's a centaur realm. There's a half-dragon human realm. There's just a regular dragon realm. Um, <laughs> everything. Bunch of okay. different kinds of realms. Yeah. So, life starts to develop on these realms, and the Elder Gods are like, cool, cool, great, things to rule over. But then, as these civilizations developed, they would inevitably discover that there were other dimensions, that there were other realms, and inevitably... Mm-hmm as life is wont to do, they would try to conquer each other. And so you had realms conquering other realms and merging with them, which was a problem because if these realms were to ever remerge with one another, boom, the one being is back. And the one being would be very unhappy with the elder gods. So in like a human, in like a person to person scale, it was like, yeah, some asshole on earth was like, I'm going to discover another dimension and conquer it because they were power mad. In a cosmic scale, we're all just little pieces of the one being, and one of those little pieces, which is like you or me, was like, all of a sudden one day, something is telling me I must conquer other realms and merge them, because the realms want to be merged. They want to be the one being Mm. again. Big, heady stuff. Yeah, I have a couple questions, if that's okay. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. What's the Elder God like who runs our realm? So the Elder Gods as a unit kind of run all of the realms, mm. okay. but they did assign a like sub-god to each realm. Like they, they kind of had, they don't really te- treat them like their children, but they're basically their children. They like made another pantheon of gods and gave one to each <laughs> <Okay>. realm <laughs> with a distinct purpose, Delegating. actually. Yes. Um, so our realm, we got Raiden, who you might have seen or heard of just peripherally in pop culture before, but he's got lightning powers, and he's got, like, a kind of cool, like, classical Chinese, like, farmer hat, and he... Um, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he he's, uh, he's, like, the god assigned to protecting Earthrealm. There's, like, you know, terrifying, badass, like, warrior gods in other realms... There's very nice, like, humble gods in other realms. But, like, every realm has a god to protect it. Mm -hmm. And the actual reason for that is the elder gods were like, oh, these realms are trying to merge with one another. I know a good way to stop them from merging, or at least to delay it, because we want them to have free will. Um, We'll institute the Mortal Kombat fighting tournament and make a rule that if one realm wants to merge with another realm, they have to beat that realm in ten Mortal Kombat tournaments in a row. 
Oh man. Okay. It's coming together. I'm I'm excited yeah. already, honestly. Great. Great. Well, they made that rule. Um they set up the 10 tournaments and that's why they they kind of made those gods for each realm. It's like having a coach. So we've got Raiden and every generation Raiden eyeballs humanity and is like, eh, those are the 13 people that I will summon if we're challenged to a Mortal Kombat tournament. Um, nice. Yeah, and so that's kind of just the general deep lore of Mortal Kombat. Most of the games take place during a time in which um, Outworld, one of the realms, had conquered and merged with like hundreds of realms already, turning it into a horrifying melting pot of different races and cultures and landscapes and architecture. Um where it was like, oh, they brought over the warrior centaur race, but also the warrior dragon people race, and now they have to share the same land, and they hate each other, so there's, like, violent infighting, and it was one of those things that, like, sounds good on paper, but then we actually bring everyone together without giving them choice, and you take everyone's homes away, and you make them all refugees in the same place, like, it becomes um, hostile. They also didn't have good leadership, so it was not, it was not great. Yeah. Okay, I was going to say, it, it almost, it's sounding a little bit like it's critical of diversity, but if, if the infrastructure isn't there, I can, okay, yeah, sure. I mean, eventually, like, the, the hero's goals in Mortal Kombat is never necessarily to end diversity, so much as it is to um, not invade each other's land and then kidnap people mm. and force them to live in your land. It's kind of like if the United States was like... Canada's ours now, Mexico's ours now, and we're putting all the Canadians, all the Mexicans in the same, like, camp in the middle of the country. It's like, that's going to be unsafe and um, not fun or happy for anyone. Um, Sure. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, imagine that, but with, like, vampires and centaurs and lizard people and all that. Gladly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, the character we're talking about today, her name is Frost. And for the most part, she didn't really concern herself with any of that interdimensional uh, business. Um, she's sort of a, a fish out of water in an interesting way. So, so in like the world of Mortal Kombat, um, for the most part, normal people like you and I don't know that there are other realms and don't mm-hmm. know about the Mortal Kombat tournament, don't know about any of this stuff. We're just living life. Like in Mortal Kombat, the, there is just normal everyday human life like the world we live in today. There's city of New York, there's city of Chicago, it's just regular people living their lives. Um, hmm. So, we're in Earth Realm, and uh, I guess this is probably the like late 90s, early 2000s. There is a uh, clan of assassins in China called the Lin Kuei. And the Lin Kuei are y- a unique clan of assassins in that they are somewhat aware of the other realms, somewhat aware of gods um, controlling these realms and living amongst us and of magic. And um, the grandmaster of this assassin clan kind of uses that knowledge to be the greatest uh, clan of assassins in the world because they don't just take jobs like assassinating, you know, Yakuza leaders or like politicians They'll also take a job from, like, a necromancer from a hell dimension called the Nether Realm, who is like, there's an oh. artifact from my realm that's lost in your realm, and it's being guarded by Raiden, the god protecting your realm, and I want you to send your best ninja to steal it. They're that kind. They're like a, they're like a weird, like, morally gray, honestly morally corrupt, 
clan of assassins that'll work for anyone and kind of know that magic exists in the world. And because that's the world they deal with, they also make a point of recruiting as many humans who have special abilities as possible. And there are a few in the world of Mortal Kombat, usually with a narrative reason. It isn't just like, some humans have magic. For example, one member of the Lin Kuei uh, is this guy named Smoke, who has the, uh, he had the spirit of a demon put inside of him, a demon from another realm by like a cult when he was just a child. There's also sure. um, a very famous member of this assassin clan named Sub-Zero, who's one of the most iconic oh. Mortal Kombat fighters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that name. <clears throat> yeah, and he has ice powers. He's a cryomancer. Um, but this is very unusual. There aren't really a bunch of cryomancers. There's actually two Sub-Zero. There's two cryomancers in the Lin Kuei. Um, mm. Two people who eventually go by the name Sub-Zero. But uh, around the time this story kicks off for Frost, only one of those brothers is alive and his name is Kwai Lang and he's like the best assassin in the gang. His ice powers get him pretty far. He doesn't really know why he has this magic. Um, but maybe we'll find out at some point tonight. Mm. So, uh, the only other thing you really need to know about the Lin Kuei at this point is that they have had a long standing rivalry with a, uh, clan of assassins in Japan named the Shirai Ryu. And mm-hmm. they have a notable assassin on their side named Scorpion. Um, oh yeah okay i know that name mm-hmm. too weird yes. all right and he famously has like fire powers but actually the shirai ryu don't really none of them really deal with magic or have magical abilities they'll work with wizards and stuff but they don't like recruit people that have magic um so if you're familiar with the idea of scorpion having magic powers uh it's only because he died went to a different dimension and came back as like a demon anyway mm-hmm. doesn't really matter for frost story so Shirai Ryu, uh, sorry, the Lin Kuei, <laughs> they're in China, <laughs> they're being assassins, they're having a good time, um, and then one day, the Grandmaster of the Lin Kuei says, hey, uh, I got this, this new thing we're all gonna do, we got a new program, we're all gonna do it, it's called the Cyber Initiative, uh, I'm gonna turn you all into cyborgs, and it'll be easier for me to control you, uh, Ooh. sound good? Yeah, and, <laughs> and so, like, any group of people that could be convinced to do murder for uh, a leader-type figure, this group, the, the Lin Kuei are pretty cult-like, so a lot of the ninjas are like, okay. Um, but Sub-Zero mm. is not on board. So he winds up, uh, over the course of many years, taking out the Grandmaster, taking out the cyborgs, and taking over the Lin Kuei himself, becoming the new Grandmaster. In doing so, he's granted a medallion that amps up his ice powers, and Mm. he decides he's going to start a new Lin Kuei um, that will be more morally just, where people will have free will, will have more choices, uh, and will not be turned into cyborgs. And he puts out kind of an open call where he's like, I want great fighters and great killers to come to this little mini tournament. It's not a Mortal Kombat tournament. Uh-huh. Just like kind of an audition to find uh, potential assassins to join my assassin clan. Um, and so he does that recruitment and ultimately finds his very first member, an assassin named Frost who shares the same ice abilities that he does. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mysterious. How'd she get those powers? 
so um, this is a good time to talk about how uh, Frost wound up coming into the picture and how she found out about the tournament and where she kind of was in life. So imagine, we, we don't know a lot in Mortal Kombat canon about Frost's upbringing, mm-hmm. but uh, it would be easy to assume that she comes from a place of privilege or grew up in the streets with a chip on her shoulder because by the time we meet her, she's a very angry person. She has a lot of anger in her and she considers herself superior to other people. She has had these ice powers since she was a kid. She doesn't know why. She doesn't know where they came from. And at this point in her life, she's never met another cryomancer. Um, She's brash. She's cocky. Uh, the implication is that she's probably used her ice powers to make herself feel superior to other people, which is what makes me think like either she came from a place of privilege already Mm. or she's the kind of person who, you know, that bad nerd kind of person who grew up getting bullied or getting mistreated because of her powers. And then was like, no, I'm going to use them to dominate other people and make them feel the way that I felt. Totally. That's me to some degree. Um, Did she like see a notice at a coffee shop or something? Like, how did she know? To come yeah, pretty down much. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. She, like, went to a coffee shop. She saw a flyer on the wall that said, Are you a murderer? And do you have magic <laughs> powers? If so, She's like, oh. book, a flight, <laughs> book a flight to China and find my hidden secret assassination clan, and you're going to fight some people to prove yourself worthy. And um, she took, like, one, one perforated tab mm-hmm. off the bottom. Cool. Yeah. I like to think it probably also said, by the way, I have ice powers. And she was like, holy shit, someone else has ice powers? Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Probably, my guess is, by this point, because of her abilities, she was already somewhat involved in the world of killers. um, Or at Mm. least in the world of, like, professional violence. Whether that was, like, underground fighting clubs or actual assassination. And so she was probably somewhat aware of Sub-Zero and was probably at some point was able to recognize like this is a person who probably has the same abilities i do i have to go find out more um cool. or see if he's better for networking yeah <laughs> so she heads to china she joins the lin kuei because she shows up to this tournament and as soon as she uses her ice powers sub-zero is like that's somebody that i have to train i've uh, other than my brother, who's dead, I've never met anybody else who had this ability, so I need to help her reach her fullest potential, as I did. Maybe he felt a little bit guilty about his brother being gone and was like, this is someone I can some kind of adopt, who I can uh, mm. sort of raise. Uh, unfortunately, Frost didn't really see Sub-Zero that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She, uh, unrequited sibling love. She joins the Lin Kuei and immediately decides, like, this guy's old, he's slow, he's too much of a pacifist, I joined this clan to become more powerful, to feel more superior, to use my powers to prove that I'm better than everybody else, and this guy's talking about, like, honor among killers and assassins, and it's just not my, it's not my bag. I want to pull strings. I want to use my abilities. Uh, but, you know, for Sub-Zero, he'd already seen so much war. He'd been involved in multiple Mortal Kombat tournaments and in, in wars against other dimensions. He'd been a part of this, like, decades-long war with the Shirai Ryu. He was ready for, like, a new chapter for the Lin Kuei, and that just, this is just the wrong time for Frost to get involved. 
Mm. Um, maybe she would have fit in better with the cyber initiative. So, <laughs> so <laughs> as he's training Frost, Frost is trying to plan on how she can overthrow Sub-Zero and take over the Ooh. Linkway herself. Because she Tense. instantly is okay. like, I would do a better job than he would. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I like how it's shaping yeah. up. <laughs> Good. Cause things are about to go off the wall. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, one day, an old friend of Sub-Zero's, actually Raiden, um, the god in charge of protecting Earth, who had long ago selected Sub-Zero as one of the chosen warriors to defend Earth in a Mortal Kombat tournament, mm-hmm. he shows up and he's like, hey, Sub-Zero, things are really changing. The world's getting a lot more complicated. I don't need you for a Mortal Kombat tournament. I need you to help me run some like secret missions in another realm and outworld because... There are these two dark wizards. They have formed a deadly alliance. In fact, they're making everyone call them the deadly alliance, which is pretty tacky. <laughs> that sucks. And mm-hmm, it blows. And uh, <laughs> and they are trying to amass power in Outworld and trying to get this undead, unstoppable army. And um, we just got to figure out what they're planning and how we can stop them because this could be a real problem for us. And so Sub Zero. Sorry, are they dark hot wizards? You said there was a realm of, of hot wizards. I'm going to say no. Um, okay. I mean, it really it really comes down to like personal taste. Sure. But one of these guys looks like a corpse. Um, his name is Quan Chi. Mm. He's, uh, he just looks like he's, he's decaying. I mean, to be clear, everyone in Mortal Kombat has a good body. Everyone is jacked. Everyone, oh. um, mm-hmm. everyone's, everyone's definitely like, you know, fit. Um, but Quan Chi looks like someone who's wielded dark magic for centuries. And Shang Tsung, the other uh, wizard in this equation, is actually a thousands-year-old human um, who is technically a very, very, very old man who is uh, consuming souls to remain youthful. So depending on the day, hot or not, really depends on preference, Yikes, I guess. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I guess for a really small number of people, that might be like exactly what they're into but okay yeah, all right fine. Like, i'm in a grandpa stuff i'm into you know twink <laughs> stuff i like this shang sung guy <laughs> and i don't kink shame so whatever yeah, all fair. right so two two old wizards go ahead two <laughs> old wizards that don't look that old but do look decrepit um have have united to to bring back this undead army and it doesn't really matter what they're up to because Raiden's basically just like, hey, I'm calling in the old gang to uh, just do some investigation. And Sub-Zero, you're a ninja, one of the best, arguably the best. So I need you to, like, go to Outworld, do some sneaking, find out what they're up to, don't let them know that we're spying on them. And so Sub-Zero's packing up and he's going to leave the Lin Kuei to, like, train amongst themselves for a little while. And he says to Frost, I want you to come with me. I'm sure at first Frost was like, cool, he's leaving. That means I can be in charge, maybe, or I can try to, like, do my power grab. So I don't know if he foresaw that possibility. I think he always saw the best in Frost and always saw her potential. So my Mm. guess is he was like, she's still having trouble. This will be a good learning experience. Just the two of us on the road, going to another dimension. A good chance for her to, like, kind of get out of her head a little bit, you know? Oh God, he's got so much empathy for her. All right, I'm get I'm getting ready to like feel. <laughs> this is gonna be sad. He's really he's really trying. Um, so 
he interrupts her training to bring her to Outworld, and she's pissed because as soon as they get to Outworld and they meet up with Raiden and Sub Zero's other old buddies, she looks around and she's like, "You're all a bunch of fucking puppets." This Raiden guy just like called you up and was like, "You up? We gotta go to another dimension and do war crimes," and you all just showed up. And she just looks around. And she's like, "You're all beneath me." This Raiden guy sucks, even if he's the god who's supposed to defend us. She basically decides, like, this will be... I'm going to wait for my opportunity to get Sub-Zero alone, if we're on this mission alone, and I'm going to just fucking take him out. And then I'm going to go back to the Lin Kuei and be like, I don't know what happened! Oh no! He got killed in the other dimension! Guess I'm in charge! Oh my god. Alright. Yeah. It's fucked up. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before... So is this, like... Does all of this lore exist in novelizations? You're not playing through all of this, are you? No. Almost. Okay. So far, none of, none of it. Um, <laughs> this, exists, <laughs> okay. this exists in... Uh, let's see. So, when you play this era of Mortal Kombat game, where Frost was introduced, mm-hmm. you get a little character card that's like Frost, and then like a paragraph that's like, here's kind of her setup and how she wound up in this game. The other character information you get is if you beat, like, the arcade ladder as her, as as any Uh character in Mortal Kombat, you get, like, a what-if ending. Like, you know the plot of this game, for example, is the Deadly Alliance has to be stopped. So the ending would be, like, what if Frost defeated the Deadly Alliance? What would she do? Or, like, what would... And so the information's coming from her character introduction card, her character ending, any other character ending she appeared in, most of which are non-canon, but the following game confirms what is and is not canon from those endings and um okay eventually we get to a point where there's like a full-on story mode where there's like cut scenes and stuff and then there's also a little bit that we'll hear today that comes from comic books Mm. that were canon okay that came in between games yeah so a wide swath of material yeah Mm. um so they're in outworld Sub-Zero and Frost are, Uh you know, hiking around the snowy mountains trying to track down some Deadly Alliance affiliates. And uh, as soon as they're kind of in a remote location up in the snowy mountains away from everybody else, Frost freezes Sub-Zero with her ice powers, jams her hand into the ice block and takes his medallion that's been, like, boosting his powers now that he's been in charge. And she puts it on and is like, I'm the Grand Master now. And now that I'm wearing this medallion, you won't be able to stop me. Oh, my God. Unfortunately, this is a very bad idea. <laughs> not, not, just, well, yeah, not, not just morally, not just morally. But what Frost didn't know and what Sub-Zero probably would have warned her about is that he was a, mm. he's a very experienced cryomancer. At this point, he's in his uh, 50s, maybe. He's been doing this for a very long time. He's been amassing power. He really knows how to control it. Frost is early 20s, max. Mm. She puts on that medallion, and her freezing powers get amplified in a way she can't control, and she is frozen solid. Not in a block of ice, but like her veins, her blood, her bones, all of it just frozen. Boom. Immediately. So they're they're both frozen on a mountain? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so okay. it's in a block of ice. Frost is inner. It's inner ice, the ice within. <laughs> ice within. So, All right. The the sun the sun rises. 
Sub-Zero thaws out of his ice block because he can survive being in a block of ice. He's a cryomancer. And uh, he sees Frost before him seemingly dead with the medallion around her neck and just like frozen solid like rigor mortis staring blankly. And he's he's heartbroken because he's like, I failed my pupil. I tried to Mm. help her. I couldn't. Um, So he picks up her frozen body and puts the medallion back around his neck. And he's like, I'm at the top of this snowy mountain. I have to hike around, find somewhere that I can bury her. And here's an interesting twist. He hikes down to the bottom of the mountain. He finds this empty temple in the snow. And as he goes inside, he discovers this is a cryomancer temple. Because the reason Sub-Zero and Frost have ice powers is that their ancestors were actually from a cryomancer realm that had been subjugated thousands of years ago by Outworld and incorporated into Outworld alongside all of these other realms that were conquered. And their ancestors must have escaped Outworld when this evil conqueror was ruling the realm to Earthrealm and then met humans and bore children and now who knows how many years later because this temple is empty. There's nobody here. There's just you know, paintings and books and, and proof that there was a cryomancer civilization once that died out. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, over generations, that knowledge just got lost. So Sub-Zero and Frost, Frost, who's probably, you know, the, the anger that she has, a lot of it probably comes from the fact that she's been different from everyone else her whole life and never knew why. She was so mm-hmm. close to getting that answer. And who can say whether it would have changed anything for her? But, yeah. She, she was frozen solid, God. mere feet away from that temple. Is she actually uh, dead at that point? Well. Uh. <laughs> Sub-Zero buries her among her long-deceased ancestors, heartbroken but knowing that this is the place where she belongs and feeling like it's fate that he happened upon this location. Mm-hmm. And then he leaves because he still has his mission that could, you know, potentially involve the fate of the world. Also, he wanted to get back to his other students because I'm sure he was feeling very like, oh, God, I need to get back to my other students. I already failed one. I got to make sure the others are OK. Yeah, and as soon geez. as he leaves, some time passes. But with the medallion now distance from her, all of a sudden her body, her powers, you know, negated. They unfroze. She was able to survive again. She's a cryomancer and Frost was still alive. He left her there. But she's buried in a tomb. She's, yeah, buried probably in, like, the snowy permafrost. But she's able to dig. She she digs her way out like Beatrix Kiddo in in Kill Bill Volume 2. Spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen Kill Bill Volume 2. (laughs) Someone just got pissed. Fuck, (laughs) I only saw Volume 1. I was going to watch it next week. (laughs) Okay, all right. Yeah. So she wakes up in a temple? She wakes up in a temple and she's like, what the fuck? Um, She doesn't even take the time to really look around because she's so mad. She, her first thought upon thawing is medallion's gone, Sub-Zero's gone. That motherfucker Mm -hmm. must have gotten on to me or wanted to destroy me so he could be the only cryomancer and he must have sabotaged me on purpose. He didn't tell me that would happen with the medallion. And just puts mm. all the blame. She can't take the blame herself. She puts it all on Sub-Zero. And so mm-hmm. 
she is like, I have a new mission. It's not just about taking over the Lin Kuei. It's not about anything other than getting revenge on that asshole who made me feel inferior. He thinks he's better than me. I'll show him who's better. Damn. Yeah. And so she storms out of this temple. I don't even know that she took the time to look around and realize like this revelation. And I also don't know if it would have mattered to her at this point because at this point she kind of starts to lose it. Um, I don't know if she had always had some kind of latent, like, uh, mental health issues, or if she, this was a result of being frozen by a magic medallion, or being in another dimension wearing on her, but she literally starts to see Sub-Zero everywhere she goes. Everyone she encounters is Sub-Zero to her, and so she goes on, like, a fucking killing spree. She, like, murders her way through half of Outworld. Just anyone she encounters, she's like, Quiling, you're not better than me! It's like killing people, freezing them, ripping their spines out of their body. Yeah. She eventually... Sorry, she's killing creatures of all different types. She's still in Outworld? Yeah, she's still in Outworld. So, you know, she probably sees a vampire and, like, freezes their wings and shatters them. And she's like, somehow you're also Sub-Zero! Yeah, she, <laughs> she like freezes someone's head and kicks it off like a kickball it's like you're sub-zero too and so uh she eventually somehow in her in her blind rage stumbles through a portal that i don't even know which portal or how she found it but she gets back to earth realm hmm. makes her way all the way back to the lin Kuei temple uh during a time at which sub-zero was still on mission elsewhere and she murders all of his students. Oh no! All they're they're like, hey Frost, welcome back. How's the trip to? Ah! And she starts like, <laughs> you know, even the younglings. Oh god! Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Please tell me there aren't younglings. <laughs> uh, to my knowledge, no. But why not? <laughs> Could have been. Oh man! All right, all right. <clears throat> she kills everybody and right when she's on like her last student when she's just like beating you know some guy to death with his own severed arm mm-hmm. Kwai Lang opens the door and is like hey guys I'm back oh no <laughs> <laughs> I just got like that douche chill feeling of like awkwardness <laughs> I think it's a little worse than like a faux pas but okay yeah. alright this is only uh. a little worse than a faux pas I agree Yeah. So Sub-Zero is so, like, well, my students, they're all dead. Like, how did you get back here, Frost? Like, I, I thought you were dead. He, his heart is, his heart was broken before. Now it's super broken. It's like mangled. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's very mangled. And so Sub-Zero realizes in that moment, like, I have no choice. I have to stop her. And so for the first time, full on, Sub-Zero and Frost do battle. Sub-Zero, being a, honestly, when it comes down to it, much more accomplished fighter, much more accomplished cryomancer, honestly wins easily. And this time he he freezes freezes Frost in a block of ice. Um, He still doesn't want to kill her. He's already seen so much pointless bloodshed, and so he Mm. brings this frozen Frost block down to the treasure room of the Lin Kuei temple and uh, locks her away 
until he can find a way to cure what he perceives as her madness that has mm. led to this moment. So years pass. Frost is frozen in a block of ice at a temple in a treasure room in the temple. Sucks. And one day, somebody breaks her out of her ice prison. She blinks and she's like, who is that? And what she sees is Sub-Zero. So instantly it? she's like, fuck you! And like attacks him. And she's fighting the Sub-Zero type only to lose once again. Because, I mean, her limbs are still kind of janky. She's been frozen for how many years? You know, she's kind of sore. Her muscles have atrophied. And uh, (laughs) her her vision vision kind of clears. (laughs) And she sees that it is not Sub-Zero. It's a man who introduces himself as Taven. Taven is a demigod who himself has been cryogenically frozen for actually centuries. He explains his whole lore to Frost. He's just like, what? But basically the gist is he's like, I'm on a quest from my parents, a god and a human, and I'm looking for a treasure that's in this room, and I saw you, and you looked like you needed help, so I broke you out. And Frost, this is canon, is just like so confused and embarrassed, she just runs away. (laughs) I don't know, man. Gone. (laughs) All right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I I wouldn't make any boba tea audio on this podcast, but I think I just slurped real loud. Um. (laughs) A good slurp for the narrative. Well, I Mm -hmm. love that this guy Taven like interrupted getting beat up to introduce himself like no 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 maybe you would stop if only you knew okay Mm -hmm. i think it was probably more one of those situations where she's like lying on the ground like sub zero no you're not he's like listen i feel really bad i feel like i should explain the situation uh i'm a demigod (laughs) she's like all right man so she runs out into the night and she runs out into the night or day doesn't really um sorry what was that still she's still thawing out yeah she's still thawing she's probably thought at this point um there's kind of like some lost time here where what definitely happened i'm not sure how she learned this information but in all likelihood she was like looking for sub-zero to kind of still settle this score so she could move on with whatever it was she planned on doing hmm. and learned that he was participating in this massive battle called the Battle of Armageddon between the forces of light and the forces of dark. Like, everyone ever in the history of Mortal Kombat, every warrior that was alive, anyone who'd fought in a Mortal Kombat tournament, any chosen warrior, basically, this Taven guy was telling the truth. He was like a demigod from thousands of years ago, and he had been unfrozen because there was this apocalyptic prophecy that was playing out that had drawn Sub-Zero and even like Scorpion and and the Deadly Alliance and Raiden and like everybody to this pyramid in another realm called Edenia where a being of pure flame, uh, an elemental Mm. warrior had appeared at the top of this pyramid after thousands of years of not being around. And it was known that whoever got to the top of the pyramid and defeated him would attain Mm. the powers of the one being. So they would become all powerful of all creation is a whole convoluted thing from Taven's parents, like a safeguard in case the realms were to 
looked like they were going to merge anyway to make sure that the Elder Gods maintain some control. It's real messy. <laughs> what it, You said the, the forces of light and dark, like, as far as the other warriors in this situation go, like, what do they think of Sub-Zero? Is he, like, a cool anti-hero or... Yeah, at this point, he's pretty blatantly, like, a forces of light kind of guy. Oh, okay. Um, he starts off as more of an anti-hero. He becomes a lot more kind of blindly heroic, um, almost like the Bruce Wayne in the Justice League kind of dynamic, where it's like, that guy's got an edge to him, but he means well. He wants good things to happen. And um, that, that makes sense because it's isn't it like Bruce Wayne's thing to to do kind of a shitty job raising a protege and then it's like ah, mm-hmm. I have this villain to deal with okay all right I actually unleashed it. a maniac yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes yeah uh, so uh, Frost doesn't like totally get all this prophecy shit but what she takes away from it is if you want to fight Sub-Zero he's on this battlefield in another dimension mm-hmm fighting for more power than any one person in the entire universe has ever held. And she's like, A, I want him dead. B, I want that power. Because that's been mm-hmm. my whole MO from the very beginning. So she traverses dimensions. She, like, finds a way to get to Edenia, travels through interdimensional portals, wanders out into the desert where this battle is taking place, at the base of this pyramid, meets Sub-Zero on the battlefield, but doesn't even get to him before she's just run through by like a spear or, or a sigh or like stabbed with a sword and, and ultimately killed. Oh my God. So just like some D level fighter yeah. takes her Pretty out. Much. Okay. Oh God. I mean, in a sense, Frost is a D level fighter, maybe a C. I'd give her a C. Oh man. Um, All right. And this is the like battle of, this is like the end, the Mortal Kombat end times. So it is like, she was never going to mm. get anywhere near the top of that pyramid. <laughs> um, you gotta try. Yeah, you gotta try. Huh. You know, it, here's the thing. Everyone's the hero of their own story. She was like, who better than, than right. me to get to the top? Who else would? I'm the best. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this actually isn't the end for Frost. Death is not the end. Uh, In this world? Yeah. In this world, no, not at all. Yeah, people die all the time. Mm. It doesn't mean anything. Um, so, <laughs> what happens is, two people get to the top of that pyramid. Raiden, who we mm. love, good dude, takes care of us. And okay. Shao Kahn, the god emperor who ruled Outworld and was responsible for conquering all of those realms and Ooh. forcing them to join his dark army and conquer other realms. Yeah, the worst guy in, in Mortal Kombat. We don't love. Um, all right. Not at all. Shao Kahn is the one to defeat Blaze, consume his power, and begin to take on the powers of the One Being. He lifts oh, his Jesus. mighty war hammer, and he's going to smush Raiden's head like one of Gallagher's watermelons. <laughs> and Raiden has mere moments between the hammer getting raised and the hammer just squashing his, his brains and skull into paste. And mm-hmm. in those moments does the only thing he could possibly do to stop Shao Kahn from unmaking reality as we know it. He sends a message back in time to his younger self and that 
message is he must win. Pretty That's vague. That's it? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if, if I got that message from my future self, I would think it was an intrusive thought. <laughs> Just go yeah. about my day. Yeah, he you probably win. wouldn't be uh, like, that's the future me for sure. No. <laughs> be like, I need to lay off the sauce or whatever. All right. <laughs> so in, in doing this, Raiden ostensibly creates an entirely new timeline because he, he goes back and starts rewriting time mm. from like 1992 uh, with himself now in this timeline trying to interpret the phrase he must win and making choices based on that that butterfly huh. effect style like the motion picture the butterfly effect start With having action kutcher yeah mm-hmm. great movie snuck into it my mom caught me i got in trouble um mm. it was rated r i was too young what was it what year was that 2003 yeah Maybe? i don't know it might have been Maybe different 13 in my 14 fair mm-hmm. um <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it basically creates repercussions that, for Frost's story, have pretty major effects on her life and the path that it takes. Huh. So, for a while, things are more or less the same for Frost. Um, Where things change is that in this timeline, Sub-Zero does not become the head of the Lin Kuei um, for much longer. He, he becomes the head of the Lin Kuei eventually, but much later than he did in the original timeline because he spends a lot of time um, as an undead revenant slave in uh, a hell dimension. Um, mm. <laughs> so during this time, as Frost is kind of having her coming of age without the Lin Kuei, without finding out about them and knowing there's another cryomancer, she starts using her skills to dominate in underground fighting tournaments in Earthrealm without wow. knowing about other realms. Um, she's undefeated and she's fighting in like to the death tournament. So for, so Frost's life still gets pretty like bleak early on and she has no qualms about killing people in these tournaments. She fights until she finishes them. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, the first time she loses is in a fight against a woman named Cassie Cage, who, because he came up earlier, I'll tell you is the daughter of Johnny Cage, the movie star. It's also not a very tough name. I feel like Johnny Cage is obviously an action star, but Cassie Cage, that's like mm-hmm. Babysitter's Club. Yeah, I mean, ultimately she does wind up um, being one of the most powerful people in all of Mortal Kombat and defeating an Elder God in, in one-on-one battle. But um, yeah, hmm. it's not, it's, you know, she's the kind of person who's like, she spins guns around, she chews bubblegum, blows bubbles, and is like, whatever, man, I'm a goofball and kind of a cop, which isn't as fun. Um, oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah. All right. It turns out so so Johnny had had long ago married a US Special Forces agent named Sonia Blade and she's their daughter and she's actually affiliated with Special Forces as well. And because of that, mm. people in different dimensions know about her and she's kind of a bargaining chip in dealing with her parents who are interdimensional heroes of Earthrealm by this point. But and divorced. S- but divorced, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Interdimensional divorce. Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> yeah. Um, anyway, Frost loses in a fight to Cassie Cage. That's like their whole interaction. But because people are after Cassie pretty much all the time, um, this interdimensional mercenary group attacks the underground fight club and the fight gets out of hand. The building is like collapsing. Frost is still woozy from the fight. 
and Cassie actually rescues Frost, who um, she could have killed in a fight if she'd wanted to moments earlier, but Cassie's a good guy. She rescues mm. Frost from this nightclub as it's, like, crumbling, um, and Frost ultimately witnesses Cassie getting kidnapped and taken through a portal to another dimension, which is how Frost in this timeline is like, whoa, what? There's other magic other than my magic? Huh. There's dimensions? Like, I need to find out more about this. So she actually is more proactive in researching these dimensions and these powers, and she kind of works her way up to meeting Raiden himself, um, who says, like, I see possibilities for you in this timeline, but give me time. And eventually, after much strife um, that Earthrealm goes through that she doesn't really get involved in, Raiden gives her a call and is like, I want you to go to a friend of mine. I think you'll get along. He's forming a new assassin clan called the Lin Kuei. His name is Sub-Zero. So, oh, and that yeah. doesn't give her, like, they don't have any sense of what happened in another timeline? None. Not not even, like, a tickle? Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe a tickle, you know? I can't say. Could you know just that feeling it? when someone, like, walks over your grave? Yeah. You go, yeah. did I did I get frozen by this person? Yeah. Yeah. In another time? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I have that exact moment all the time. Constantly. I'm like, did you freeze yeah. me? Maybe. Yeah, did a, you put me in a treasure room? In a parallel timeline? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Frost heads to China and meets up with an older, an even older, even wiser Sub-Zero in this timeline. Mm. This Sub-Zero has literally been to hell and back. Um, and... Uh, has actually participated in the rescue of the Shirai Ryu's leader, Scorpion, from hell. And so they, in this timeline, like, the Lin Kuei and the Shirai Ryu, who had, in another dimension, like, had a thousands of years long rivalry, um, are on the path to becoming friends. And so Frost joins this assassination clan, the Lin Kuei, learns about their history, their rivalry with the Shirai Ryu, and their their whole interaction with, like, different dimensions, and she's interested. She's like, this is really cool. I love being in a gang where we have rivals that we dominate because we're the better assassin clan. And then Sub-Zero says, like, no, 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 I'm having their leader Scorpion over for tea. It's time that we have peace. Oh, um, boy. Yeah. At this point, despite the fact that Sub-Zero uh recruited her and was already like on the road to peace with the Shiraiu. He mm-hmm. she has somehow managed to self drink the Kool-Aid and is like, fuck the Shiraiu. <laughs> Never And so uh <laughs> So she's like a hothead, alright. Like whatever the situation is, she's gonna find an enemy. Oh yeah. Um Alright. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> So, uh, she sees Scorpion show up for this meeting, and she instantly, as soon as he sits down to have tea with Sub-Zero, she instantly attacks Scorpion. And Sub-Zero's like, what the fuck? And so she's fighting Scorpion. Scorpion's like, was this a trap, Sub-Zero? Sub-Zero's like, no! No, it was not! I'm <laughs> no, not going with off. this! Knock it off, Frost! <laughs> and, uh, eventually he has no choice but to freeze her 
and like apologize to Scorpion and say like, I'm sorry, I actually brought you here to tell you that I found out that my older brother did not murder your family and, and tr- to try to make good with you. We'll figure it out. Another faux pas. I feel like her tragic flaw is just misreading social situations. <laughs> yeah. Pretty bad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Frost is unfrozen and sub Zero's like so what did we learn <laughs> and frost is like what we learned is fuck you fuck the lin Kuei, i quit and she like oh, storms geez. out and kind of just goes back to like fighting tournaments somewhere where she can feel like uh, a winner and feel better than other people Boy. um yeah and so years pass again where she's just kind of you know kicking around being an asshole maybe being an independent assassin herself with the skills that she started to learn from Sub-Zero. Um, just like and one freelancing. Day, yeah, she's just a freelance cryomancer. Mm-hmm. And then one day, uh, she's approached by someone named Kronika. So Kronika says, Hello, Frost. I've come to speak to you because I think that you have many skills. I think you're a great warrior. In fact... I think you're such a great warrior that you deserve better than this timeline has offered you. And Frost oh is like, timelines, huh? Yeah. And so Kronika says, I am the Titan of time. There are elder gods, but the elder gods are actually, this is like a whole retcon thing and I still haven't totally wrapped my head around it, but she's like, the elder <laughs> gods are my children. I'm not the one being, oh. I'm like an in-betweener situation. She's like, most oh, people don't know this. People like Raiden, they don't know this. People don't know that the one being created, the Titans, first to create to, to rule over metaphysical concepts like time and and reality and whatever you know, Infinity Stone shit. And then we yeah, exactly. had we bore the Elder Gods who could manifest physical things like realms and planets and life. And she goes She's anyway. The bureaucracy in this, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and she's like, so, so my job is to police, like, the timeline, and to make the timeline, to control the literal hourglass of time and decide the fates of every man, woman, anyone at all in, in the world. Centaur. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she goes, I'm pissed because Raiden uh, did, like, an unlicensed timeline redaction when he, sent, he did the he oh. must win thing. Yeah. I wasn't on board with that um, at all. And so she's like, I want to make a new timeline. The problem is Raiden and his little buddies, including your friend Sub-Zero, are going to try to stop me because I have to physically collect these artifacts from the realms in order to um, turn back time and make a new timeline. She's like, so I would like to recruit you, Frost. If you will help me out, I will make a new timeline where you're the Grandmaster of the Lin Kuei. Oh my God, that's her swan song. Okay. Yeah. Ugh. Wait, wait, so, wait, 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 wait. So, so this, this time God looked at the entire interdimensional pantheon and picked Frost out as, like, the most likely to succeed at the task? Honestly, I think it's less the succeed thing. So, like, in this timeline, the good guys are doing all right, you know? They're winning. Uh-huh. And um, the strongest people that in Mortal Kombat history don't really have a reason to help Kronika remake time they don't have a vested interest so she's kind of trying to recruit an army as big as possible 
of people who aren't happy with their lot in life now. Because oh, they're going to okay, be the so ones Frost that will. One of yeah, men. they'll be the ones who will yeah. fight to death for nothing but a promise that Kronika will make a better timeline for them. A suicide squad, you might say. All right. Uh, it's some kind of suicide squad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, in, it involves, like, um, let's see. Uh, she brings warriors back from the past. She, oh. who, who, like, are dead in this present, in this timeline, and aren't happy about that. She recruits people like Frost. And um, in an interesting twist... She also recruits the surviving cyborgs who oh. were kicked out of the Lin Kuei when Sub-Zero took over and absconded with, um, you know, plans for how to make more cyborgs, but haven't been able to, like, build back up their forces. And so what she wants is a, a force of cyborgs that she can control without them having free will, not unlike what the mm -hmm. Grandmaster of the Lin Kuei wanted many years ago. So she says to Frost, here's the catch... I want you to join my army, but you're going to have to become a cyborg. Literally, your brain and your, like, skull and your face on a robot body. Um, you'll be superior, but I will ultimately control you. And then once all of this is done, I will create a new timeline. And then uh, you'll get what you want. You'll be the new Grandmaster. So it's like lease out your body to me for... A certain amount of time and then you'll get it back mm -hmm. oh all right well what Lease wins out, out your her... free will <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh -huh. her her ego or her like need to be the best i, I mean i guess that's the same thing what does she decide yeah. is my point yeah uh oh she decides instantly she says yes oh, frost well, frost okay. is like i'm in frost is like yeah, i don't do whatever the fuck you want i want to be the grandmaster of the lin Kuei. i hate my life Sub-Zero beat mm. me. He proved he was better than me. That's not right. I want a timeline where he doesn't even exist. And and Kronika's like, you got it, dude. Let's get that head in a cyborg body. And she just rips her oh, head off and just God. like puts it on a cyborg. Ooh, yeah. so, okay. So Frost Good is Lord. now... Oh, yeah. Frost is now doing missions for Kronika. Um, specifically, her job is to kind of like guard the... Uh, cyborg factory where more cyborgs are being made for the Lin Kuei and for Kronika. And um, okay. unfortunately for her, the united front of new best friends, Sub-Zero and Scorpion from the Lin Kuei, uh, have come okay. to specifically, on behalf of Team Raiden, destroy the cyborg facility so that the cyborgs can't stop them from stopping Kronika from unwriting the timeline. Yeah. So, so, Bad Boys 2, these guys roll up and it's Frost at the door? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh-huh. All right. Sub-Zero's like, Frost, what did you do to yourself? You're better than this. And she's like, am not. <laughs> <laughs> Never was. Yeah, and she's like, now that I'm a cyborg, your ass is grass, Sub-Zero. And she gets ready to fight him with her cyborg cryomancer powers, and he just, like, beats the shit out of her and freezes her body and, and walks away. And oh, my Humiliation never ends. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. Continue, continually foisted. She didn't have to do any of this. She could have played nice and would have been a champion and oh. his heir and all that. Yeah. Chose oh not to. Oh, my God. Yep. Um, I keep thinking about why did you choose this character specifically to tell, like, almost 
I, honestly, I keep thinking, are you noticing like character flaws in me and I'm supposed to learn from Frost? Yeah, that's what this is about. I was like, I see that Emily <laughs> needs to be humbled. Not unlike Frost. I want you to know that these are the earnest thoughts I'm having as I'm listening. I'm like, geez, this is me. Wouldn't this wouldn't this be like wouldn't that be like a super fucked up well way for me to do this podcast where I'm like the podcast is I pick someone who needs kind of a therapy lesson from one Mortal Kombat character at a time. Yes. I wait until I, I notice someone's specific character flaw, I pair them with a Mortal Kombat character, I tell them the story and I go, So how did that make you feel? Did you, yes. did, you did something seem familiar? When they start to cry, you hang up and you're like, well, join in next week for it. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, and if you know any influencers who have personality problems, um, let me know in the comments below and we'll try to get them on the show. <laughs> Maybe I'm just taking everything personally, which is also something Frost does. All oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> So she's dead uh, outside. For what it's worth, Emily, I do not see you as a frost type at all. Far from it. Phew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I just I thought you'd enjoy her as a, well. as a hard fantasy, uh, complex character with a dark side. That was honestly the the connection for me. Also, I was like, Emily's, you know, like a friend friend through Twitter. So um, I can take up more of her time with a with a longer and and denser story. <laughs> Like Frost. Oh, totally. No, I mean, no, I'm down because the poetry is in uh, her character flaws catching up to her in, like, no matter what the timeline is. I can get down with that for sure. Oh, yeah. There's nothing she can do to turn it off. So she gets frozen mm-hmm. yet again. Um, mm. Team Sub-Zero and, team, and Scorpion uh, set up a bunch of bombs, download a computer virus into the cyborg palace, oh. and blow it up. But Frost does manage to escape. Actually, like, I think her body does get blown up, but they just put her head on, like, a new cyborg body. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Gruesome. Yeah. And so she rushes immediately to Kronika's Keep, where she knows that Team Raiden are going to try to physically restrain Kronika and stop her from erasing time. Um, Frost stands in Raiden's way, the literal god of thunder, and says, I will challenge you. You never, you had the chance to give me what I deserved in this timeline. You never saw my potential, which is pretty fucked up considering he's the one who sent her to the Lin Kuei and sent her to Sub-Zero. But she's like, you never gave me the legacy I deserved, but she will, so I'm gonna fucking kill you, Raiden. My Um, god. Yeah, and he he electrocutes her and kind of just throws her to the side. (laughs) (laughs) What a scamp this one. Just she's a rascal. Biting more than she can chew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a rascal. Mm-hmm. Got mm-hmm. a lot of moxie. All right. <laughs> yep. So uh ultimately Kronika is um ripped to pieces by Team Raiden and uh, a new titan of time is cr- Here's the thing. Not before she does successfully erase this entire timeline without creating a new one. And so the person who murdered her, this warrior named Liu Kang, who has not come up yet, but is kind of the Luke Skywalker of the Mortal Kombat tournament, he's Raiden's star pupil. 
He's what Frost mm. could have been to Sub Zero, but to Raiden, um, Liu Kang becomes the new Titan of Time, and where we leave things for Frost is that a new timeline is going to be created by Liu Kang, someone who knew her well, and knew actually this Liu Kang didn't really know her, but he did know Sub Zero quite well, and they were allies. So. Mm. Who knows what exactly the future will hold for Frost? I, I see the possibility that Liu Kang will say, well, no Frost in this timeline, first of all. Very problematic. She just can't be around. She can't be trusted. She had two times, two timelines to do yeah. right and fucked up. <laughs> um, Never goes well. <laughs> I, uh, I could also see and would hope for a timeline where uh, Liu Kang arranges things in such a way that the cryomancers are never forced to become part of Outworld. They thus never go to Earthrealm. Thus, the Cryomancers get to stay in their home, stay in their in their dimension, be happy, hopefully still, you know, interact with and enjoy and benefit from the sharing of cultures with other realms, but without having to lose their home and a massive population to genocide. Um, right. And so hopefully sure. Frost does get a chance to live in this timeline um, and gets to you know, enjoy uh, being a cryomancer, not feeling less than. Yeah, like an ice-themed domestic life. She may not even be driven to underground fighting rings. She could just, like, have an ice farm or whatever they... Yeah, if you had to guess what Frost might do with her life if not murder... Think not murder? Uh, well, I mean, if her culture, like, stayed together... I don't know. She could be like a like an athlete, like play hockey or um, yeah, luge, <clears throat> ice hockey, luge, luge hockey. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Luge hockey. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah, I mean, she has physical abilities. Ice, ice sports. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. she's like um. Maybe she's like a Tanya Harding type. She gets into ice skating. Yeah, but Hopefully Tanya Harding has the yeah. same character flaw. Yeah, she does have almost the exact same character flaw. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. famously so. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. So wait, wait, wait. Uh, you said we we left things that way. Is that like the last iteration of the story has reset the mm-hmm. timeline? Yep, that was the okay. ending of Mortal Kombat Eleven, and no one really knows what Mortal Kombat Twelve will be about the closest hint we've had is that it could take place 500 years ago from our present during another famous and pivotal Mortal Kombat tournament that decided uh, sort of whether or not Outworld got to continue their campaign of terror and incorporating the other realms. So I would say the closest implication we've had is that Liu Kang might orchestrate events so that there is a, a cryomancer realm that is maintained, but since the series is called Mortal Kombat, not Mortal Peace, mm. I'm guessing <laughs> uh, something will stop him from creating harmony between the realms in, in future stories. Yeah. We'll check yeah, back in if there's ever more Frost. Yeah. Yeah, mortal diplomacy, or what have you. <laughs> huh. <laughs> Yeah. Any uh, any final thoughts on on Frost and her story? Uh, I just feel like I mean I'm sure this is 
um, by virtue of you centering the story around her. But I just feel like it's so um, understandably adolescent. Like anybody can can look at that story and 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 relate to you know being like a middle manager and wishing you could move up the ranks faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah. Also, I feel you. Cassie was the girl who saved her. Yep. Who pulled her out of the building? Like, come on, that's a moment of friction for maybe she just needed someone else, like another young woman, to to team up with. Yeah, and I I see that she could have been on the path to doing just that if Cassie hadn't been kidnapped to another dimension at that point. Yeah, jeez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, I I don't have hatred in my heart for her. I'm glad I know her her tale. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad to have shared it. I uh, I wish there were more twists and turns for Old Frost, but it really does feel like it's just repeating the same bad behavior over and <laughs> over again. Um, digging herself deeper and deeper until she's literally just a spine and a brain and a robot body desperately trying to one-up her old boss. And somehow her death is always humiliating and she just gets tossed aside. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, she gets frozen like 17 times, which is, oh honestly, like, I don't even know why anyone thinks that's a good way to dispatch uh, a cryomancer to begin with, but, you know. Yeah. Insult they, they to injury. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, that's it for that's it for Frost's story, um, but it's not it for the episode because there's one more segment left. It's a segment I like to call Choose Your Destiny, in which mm. I ask you, Emily, now that you know about the many realms the dynamics and the worlds of Mortal Kombat, the factions within it, the fatalities, uh, which I didn't mention, but it's how people kill each other in Mortal Kombat. They do special little killy moves uh, called fatalities. So knowing all of that, I ask you, Emily, if Emily Gaudet were to exist in the world of Mortal Kombat, who would she be? What would she be? Who would her allies be, her enemies? Who's Emily in the world of Mortal Kombat? Um, I have a quick question that'll help me decide like how how do you characterize the hell world is it like Mm -hmm. red guys with forked tails and pitchforks or like event horizon like it's um no it's kind of like if hell was just a dimension so it's like typical flames spires you know lava churned cavern-esque environment with um skull towers but um there are hideous demons there are pale-skinned tattooed necromancers there are undead revenants that are just the undead from various realms who wound up here there are um there are hot chicks canonically (laughs) (laughs) canonically you can't deny it they they got babes um Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, like when I play Dungeons and Dragons, I'm drawn to playing tieflings and orcs and stuff. So I'd probably be either in the hell dimension or I'd be in the Dracula world that you mentioned. Oh, yeah. They turn us um, the vampire realm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I like both those aesthetics and I... I would say that, like, my savagery um, would be limited to... joined the Zoom. I know. Sorry, go on. Oh, he's so cute. (laughs) 
Um, she is, I think my she's real cute. My uh, my like fighting tactic would come down to like um, insults and and withering words more mm, than mm, more than like ripping folks' spines out. So okay. it'd be like a passive aggressive member of the hell world. I was gonna say insult comic, but that yeah, that makes more sense. So you're <laughs> yeah. so you're in the nether realm, which is the name of it. Um, you're in the nether realm. You're kind of like a pithy, you know, angsty. I guess like if, if you're more of like a, a a an emotionally cruel warrior. If you're an emotional warrior, I guess I see you kind of maybe as like a sidekick type to one of the you know chosen warriors of the nether realm who are sent often mm-hmm. by the Lucifer of the Mortal Kombat universe, Shinnok, the fallen elder god who lords over uh, the nether realm. Um, mm. yeah, I could see you being like a little kind of mean spirited assistant to, to one of those guys. Yeah. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Okay. Okay. Do you see yourself switching sides or are you kind of just like pro, you know, darkness, pro, pro nether realm? Unless there are like witty, sarcastic members of the, the light, I, I, I think I'd prefer to like be around characters that, um, have a sense of irony, I guess. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. I see it. Cool. And if forced to murder, how would you do it? Mm. <laughs> As you're holding a baby. Yeah, you I'm, asked holding, me this. I'm holding the baby and I'm asking you. <laughs> uh, I think, like, if I'm going along with this character, um, I would... Uh, Convince the person to do it themselves over a long period of time. Mm, wow, that's fucked up. Yeah. Well, is like it, it is it more or less fucked up than like ripping out somebody's eyeballs? I don't know. Who's to say? Great point. It's crueler. Mm. I'll say that. Yeah. Mm. Well, great, great answer, Emily. Uh, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for hearing the story. Thanks of Thanks for having me. Thanks for sharing the story of Emily, the the pithy hell spawn. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you were able to see yeah, a little absolutely. bit of yourself in Frost. I hope, you know, uh, it helped you have a breakthrough of some kind. Um, you know, again, that's what this is really all about. <laughs> I knew it! I knew it! <laughs> you brought in your, your child yeah. when you started asking the important questions. Yeah. For gravity, yeah. 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 <laughs> and uh, I've been people duped. want. <laughs> Once again, duped on a podcast. Um, yep. If people want more Emily Gaudet in their lives, uh, which they will, of course, where can they find it? Um, I am on Twitter. My handle is Emily G Monster. That's my only social media, so come say hi there. Good pick. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Well, thanks again, Emily, for coming on the show. Thank you, audience, for listening. And of course, as always, finish him.